0: Uh, We're in a series called Family Matters, and uh, I neglected last week to kind of mention how that came about. Last uh, summer, I think it was, I sent out and got some feedback from uh, kind of cross-section of the church about things they'd like to know more about. And so that led to uh, a few folks that would like to know a little bit more about who these disciples are and who were. So that's what triggered this series, and today we're going to be talking about Peter. Now, Peter is one of those guys in scripture that went under a name change. He started out as Simon, which means hero. And then he became Peter or Cephas, which both mean rock. Peter was the son of a gentleman named Jonas, which is interesting because Jonas was a fisherman. As was Peter, he grew up in Bethsaida in Galilee. Uh, There was two two of uh, the family that were fishermen that became disciples, Peter and Andrew and they fished on the sea of tiberias which is the sea of galilee um, they were partners to two other disciples a couple guys named james and john uh, and with his brother uh, andrew peter was the <coughs> disciple of a follower of john the baptist before following christ john was a uh, was out he met jesus and he and john the baptist pointed out Andrew that Jesus was the Lamb of God, and then Andrew went to Peter and told him, uh, we have found on the side. Now, what we don't know a lot about these guys, but we know that Peter was an impulsive guy. Peter was the guy that was going to you know, cut off the person's ear or jump out of the boat on the water or all kinds of different things. And so Peter, uh, once he's told that, he decides he's going to go find him, and, and so he does, and Jesus tells him, "You are Simon, the son of Joseph. You shall be called Cephas." Now, the Cephas is Aramaic for rock. Uh, so there was no immediate change for Peter because he looked upon Jesus as simply a teacher, but he wasn't yet commanded to follow him. So he went back to his normal world. He went back home and he started he went back to fishing. Uh, went to Capernaum back to Capernaum and his usual life. But it didn't end there for him, thankfully, or for for us. The second call was he was on the Sea of Galilee, and it's a famous passage. He, they were all four of them were out fishing, and, and, and people wanted to hear, hear Jesus. So Jesus said, you know, let me get your boat to go out. And he preaches to the multitudes out of that boat. And, and then he tells them, you know, to fish on the, to, would you like to be fishers of men? Come and follow me. And that changed everything in Peter. He left at that point. He left his family. He was married. And he up and left his business. Think about it. I mean, we say that. It's an easy sentence. But think about what that means. Would you be able to do that? Jesus said so. I think I did. But you know what I mean? There's a lot that he gave up to follow Christ. And one of the things that is important to know when we talk about family matters and things that... Uh, happen because of Christianity and family. It's not always an easy thing. as a passage that talks about I've, not, I've come to bring the sword and that is going to cause some division sometimes in family. Following Jesus can come at a cost and one of those costs is conflict within the family. If you become a follower of Christ and your family doesn't believe in Jesus you may well find yourself in the midst of conflict within your own family. And that's that's not unusual. It happens to many of us, for many of us. A friend of mine uh, is a completed Jew or Messianic Jew. And his family disowned him when he became a follower of Christ. So there can be um, conflict and difficulties when we make that choice, Uh, I hope that I always preach the love of Christ, but also that I preach that there can be that, that walking this faith and as a Christian is going to bring with it some struggles and some challenges. It, it's, it's not always a cherries or a bed of roses. But back to Peter, sometime afterward they were, started calling him apostles, and, and from that time on Simon was always, almost always referred to as Peter. I think Paul was the only one who called that Stephen's one. Uh, but that's still at the same. And it was Peter who said to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God at Capernaum. He was the one that, that pointed that out and did it again at Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Jesus says, I'm going to have to suffer humiliation and death. And, and of course, Peter's reaction, as, as many of you will, will recall, is, That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen to you. And Jesus has to tell him, Get behind me, Satan. Because you're not about, about, you're about the things of man, I'm about the things of God. So, Peter, that impulsivity is is throughout his life. At the Last Supper, Peter was the one who was adamant that the traitor needed to be pointed out. It's also at the Last Supper that that Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He said, no, Master, you can't. You can't do that to me. And Jesus used that as a great and and and, uh... A, a teaching teaching moment for him but also for us that as a Christian we are to be servant leaders that we lead by serving others we don't lord it over people that that we meet people where they are and, and Peter lived that out amongst the disciples Peter did the swore he never denied Jesus and of course that didn't work out either he failed him miserably he and John were the first Apostles to visit the tomb Peter was the one who went in and it was to Peter that Jesus actually revealed himself, and that was a great home in Peter's ministry, because it let him know that he was fully <clears> restored, <throat> that Jesus, yes, you had denied me, but I restore you to who, to who I called you to be. And after his ascension, Peter was recognized within the Jerusalem church and outside as a leader, but remember that thing about servant leadership, Peter didn't He he led them as one of them. Even though on the day of Pentecost, Peter's the one who preached and 3,000 were saved. Uh, There was persecution against the Christians during that time. Peter got arrested. He went before the council and defended himself. Later on, he went before the council and defended himself and others. So, Peter is, is a huge person for us. He was martyred in Rome, likely at the same time as Paul and. Tradition tells us that as they were going to crucify him, and he said, "I don't, I'm I not worthy of being crucified as my Lord was," and so he was crucified upside down. And that's kind of a history of who Peter was, and there's a lot that we can grab from Peter. There's not a lot about his family. You know, there's not a lot. We don't know the name of his wife. We don't know that. We know that he was married, and we don't know much about his dad other than his name. We know that he left to follow Jesus. He left his family and gave up his business, but we don't know over the three years he was together what kind of interactions he may have had with his family as, as they traveled around. But we do know from Peter about what a church family ought to look like. He tells us very clearly, I read it this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time in it, that passage from First Peter chapter 2, it speaks to us about who we as a church family need to be so this passage is first peter chapter two beginning at verse one therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind like newborn babies praise pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the lord is indeed good Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who don't believe, this stone's ability rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are chosen people. Read this, read this with me. But you are chosen <laughs> people, a royal priesthood, Holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises. Start out by pointing out a couple of some things that we need to get rid of. Right? We're to rid ourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. We're to seek after God as a baby seeking after milk. They seek milk to sustain their life. We're to seek God to sustain our life. A life without God is not a life. We've had two funerals this week. Both of them were believers. So we got to celebrate. And yeah, we're, you know, I miss Myra every day. I didn't know that. But judging by all the folks who were here yesterday, that had an impact on people's lives. But they today are in heaven. We get to celebrate that. There's such a hope that we have. And we seek after after what the things that sustain us in this life. And hope is one of those things. And if you don't know god I don't, you know i've had conversations obviously this has been a season of death for, for us but i've had a lot of conversations with, with folks and it comes out invariably so what do people who don't believe do in this moment and i don't have an answer for that because i we have such a hope in Christ. Such a Holy Christ. It's through Christ that we're able to get through these things. It's God's presence that sustains us, that carries us through. We need that in our life today. See, there are actions to take as Christians, and we need to pay attention to our behavior with each other and with those in the world, because it matters. The example that we set is going to influence people. I joke joke with Kelly about Facebook, but I'll tell you what, Kelly, I am so glad that you're active on there and that I get to see the amazing things that your kids do and that you get to do. Because you're right, their hearts are big. They love one another. That's awesome. That's God. That's God. That's the example that we get to set or not set. And that's up to us, right? That's up to us. People are going, if you identify as a Christian, then people are going to look at you and go, that's what a Christian is. And Peter knew that. Get rid of this stuff. Get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. i looked up several other translations uh, for, for the Tara. Okay, the King James says guile and evil speaking the new, the NRSPs is uh Insincerity, the New Living Translation, jealousy, unkind speech. There, this, this little passage tells us, "Don't do this stuff." And there's others in the, in the Bible as well. Mike Warnke, the Christian communica- uh, comedian, who uh, you know I, I knew from way, way, way back in my early years as a Christian. And he understood that there were do's and don'ts in the Bible, but he he made the comment, and I won't get this right, but I hope that I'm getting close enough. You know, that I know that there are do's and don'ts in the Bible, but if I spend all my time doing the do's, I find that I don't have time to do the don'ts. Because we spend a lot of time on the don'ts, but if we focus on doing the do's, then we're going to be further along. I want to spend this, the rest of this morning on that one passage because it's so powerful, so important to us. The enemy robs us of our identity in way too many ways. In way too many ways. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You are a chosen people. You ever been chosen? You're not on purpose. Did you know that? You're not an accident. God chooses you, He chooses you. I choose getting right. I choose doing good. I don't choose seek. God, no, I choose you. You are a chosen people. I choose. Charles, what are you sitting up here? Aren't you supposed to be back with the other two Charles? <laughs> <laughs> <Where are> you? <laughs> <Back here. laughs> Have you ever been now think about that? God chooses you. You are a chosen people. That's amazing. I choose you, Scott. You are special. I think sometimes in scripture we glide by step really fast we can miscommunicate That's when I want to slow this down you're not an accident you're on purpose you're a chosen person when the enemy comes to try to rob you of that telling you that you're not good enough the lie God chooses Henry you you are chosen plan was always for you to be in the family. It was always part of God's plan that you would be in the family. God arranged everything so that it could be that way. Your yes to that invitation, he puts the gift out here. He says, here's the gift. I love you. I choose you. You say yes you become a part of this family of God. Your yes to him means a celebration in heaven happens as they go, woo-hoo. He, Cheryl said, "Yeah." Thought. Chosen a long time but it took her a long time. But it doesn't stop there, right? You're a chosen people, but you're also a royal priesthood. See that same yes when you come into the family of our raise you into the family of our king, who happens to be our high priest in the order of that Jesus the Christ, you are a part of a royal priesthood. And just to be clear, it's not because of you. Not anything that you did. Other than you said it. You don't earn it. This is what Jesus did for us. We get to be part of that royal priesthood. And I know some of us struggle with that idea of priesthood. Some of us have this weird thing about priests. You know, I grew up Catholic, so I got a weird thing about, you know, you can't call me a priest. I'm wrong when I do that, by the way. I'm allowing the enemy to steal from me something that Jesus paid a high price for. I am part of the royal priesthood. Just like you are. And I know that I have sin in my life, right? So it can't be except that Jesus paid a price for me. If I confess my sin to his faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm the one that hangs on to stuff. Jesus doesn't. He throws stuff as far as the east is from the west. And that's in a straight line. You know how far that is? That's a forever line. Yeah, that's gone. the one that struggles. I'm the one that tries to hang on to That I let the enemy rob me of who I am in him. How I hate that I do that. Hate that I did it. I love this part. God's special possession. You're God's special possession. He loves you so much. You're special in the eyes of God. He knows that you mess up. He knows that you don't get it just right. He doesn't have that expectation of you. He just wants you to strive to continue to seek Him, to continue to draw nearer to Him, to grow in your faith, to seek to become more like Jesus throughout all of your life. This is our identity, guys. This is this is this is who we are. We're a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He takes us out of darkness so we don't walk into the wall or into the chairs. Into his light. Wonderful, marvelous light. Don't let Satan, don't let stuff that's happened in the past rob you of that because it's who you are as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And all this is not so that we can both say and obey but I'm a part of the royal priesthood, and I'm awesome. No, no, no. I'm chosen. God chose me. That's not what it's about. It's so that we can praise God and go, thank you, Jesus. You love me so much. You chose me, and I know I don't deserve it, and you chose me anyway. And you love me anyway. You brought me into your family. You brought me in and made me holy and made me clean and made me, through the power of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, I am clean because you love me. And he loves you that way. He loves you absolutely. It's amazing. It's impossible. And yet it's true. Because that is who you are. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm going to take just a little liberty. Once you were not a family. But now you are the family of God. See. City calls. You're part of the family of God, Betty. See you, once you weren't. You said yes to Jesus. now you are So let's live that way in this place, Brother Samuel. We're gonna close with the song called "Spirit Song." <laughs> It says, let the Son of God enfold you with His Spirit and His love. Let Him fill your heart and satisfy your soul. Let Him have the things that hold you, and His Spirit, like a dove, will descend upon your life and make you whole. That's what we're asking. That's what we're asking.